Welcome back, everybody, to the Cosmic Coffee Shop. We're here again. I actually have coffee this time. It's a Christmas miracle. So do I. You know, speaking of Christmas miracles, I got a Keurig for Christmas, and it's changed my life. This is, like, I don't know. There's nothing like it. Coffee is my new favorite thing. (laughs) Amazing. I I got, uh, when I graduated, I got, like, one of those fancy little pour-over coffee makers that made me exactly 10% more pretentious upon (laughs) uh, receiving it. And it is actually one of my favorite things. I use it, like, every day. Yeah, of course. Um, I think coffee is very calming. Uh, I don't really, like, (laughs) get the impact of... I was explaining that. I don't get, um, like, super impacted by caffeine at, like, a hyper level. But Mm -hmm. I like... um, I like getting up in the morning and doing something kind of meditative and with like a little pour over thing, it is kind of like that. Right. Whereas like when I use my roommate's Keurig, it's like, I need coffee now. I'm leaving in three minutes and this will give me coffee so hot. It could melt the face of God. God oh um, my God. You're so And that like, is, <laughs> and that is the Keurig. so bad. You know, like I burnt off most of my taste buds already. So like now I'm just used to it. I can just drink the coffee, but Dakota like... loves coffee because he <laughs> cannot taste it. Mm-mm. <laughs> What's your opinion on people who drink coffee black? Do you think that anybody actually enjoys that? Or is it just this like societal thing where we convince people that they're cooler if they like black coffee? Well, okay. I think a lot of people think they will be cooler if they like black coffee. So they start on black coffee and they don't mm-hmm. like it. It's, it's very mm-hmm. bad. Maybe like a small minority love it. Like just like instantly. But uh, no, I, I don't think anyone just starts out liking it. I think it can be an acquired taste though. I, I don't have that taste yet uh but i might get there one day like whenever i run out of creamer but i still want that coffee yeah i'll I'll just take it black that's fine i'll drink black coffee it's not the it's not the sweetness that i like so much as like it just not being so bitter bitter bean water Mm -hmm. like i'll drink like a cappuccino or whatever that's not sweetened right and those like i think i find those to be enjoyable but like if i'm getting up in the morning and i'm about to go do this long day of school and and two jobs and interacting with people like i'm gonna put an ungodly amount of vanilla creamer Mm -hmm. in my coffee and you cannot legally stop me no not at all not at all it was interesting you said you know the bean water right aren't beans technically vegetables Mixed with hot water? Uh, no, they're legumes. Ah, oh, dang. I was about to say, because, like, coffee is soup, question mark? Have you never had bean soup? You can have soup with legumes. You're not wrong, but the the vegetable caveat is unnecessary. Gotcha. Okay. Fair point. Fair point, actually. Yeah. I'll take that. Um, but leg- legumes are, are good for you, and they're they're. I was you're you're gonna ask me what I learned this week. This isn't the thing. Um, I I could do a whole episode about this. Um, but it's about like the dairy industry and how it convinced us, um, like a long time ago that we need dairy more than we need beans. Um, and it's not true. Like like legumes are a, a sustainable source of protein so much that you can eat just beans and not need meat. Oh my god. Um, or or not, but you have to eat a lot of them. Right, um, right, right. Or not need dairy. Like the protein that you get from from dairy can so easily be replaced with beans that they were on the original like food plate. Whoa. And then America was like food pyramid. We're gonna put dairy on there because dairy makes money. Um, mm. I there is so much information about this. I'm not gonna talk about it right now, but keep it in your back pocket. Okay. Well, you know what? It's like it's like 45 minutes of material. I have like a lecture about dairy we should do we <laughs> and should I, do a mini-sode about it just like we're gonna do a mini-sode where georgia just talks about uh, <laughs> dairy from the perspective of someone who did not grow up drinking milk and has never broken a bone wait wait what? this is my anecdotal evidence well i didn't drink milk as a child i've never broken a bone no, didn't you say my cousins drank milk every day for every single meal mm-hmm. they've each broken like five to eleven bones i will say though in milk's defense i drank milk a shit ton as a kid and i never mm-hmm. broke any bones i chipped a tooth when i was like four but that's different we've already established cody that you are so lucky you should not <laughs> physically be here you defy the laws of physics and <laughs> luck in general okay the, the things that cody can do and nothing will harm him Versus the things I can do with all good intent and like fall right on my face. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's been a few close calls definitely, but like, Oh yeah. It always works out. Um, I, I have very, very uh, sporadic luck. So I always just kind of hope it'll show up when it's needed. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, but you know what? That's, that's when it will, that's when it will show up when it's like really mm-hmm. needed. Um, oh yeah. And it, it, I almost got in a tin car pile up on the way to, um, on the way home. I literally missed the car in front of me, in front of me by six inches. My, my brake stopped and I saw the truck behind me and I knew it was going to hit me. Whoa. And so I like, I tried to like relax cause I knew if it hit me and I relaxed, I wouldn't like 
uh, get whiplash. Mm -hmm. And then it spun out and just spun out. The three cars behind it spun out and a tractor trailer went right through the middle of all of us and didn't hit anything. There were no collisions on a busy highway. Like it was literally like act of God. Like I could like see like these like gears in motion to keep us from getting hit. And then everybody just kept going. And I was like, (laughs) I don't need to pull over and cry for a second, but glad we're all good with this. Oh no, I feel that though. There was a time where I was like driving down the highway and there was, there was a wreck on the side, but it was like, Mm-hmm. It wasn't on the road, so we were just all in the left lane, just going around it, and we were already going ten under the speed limit. So it was we were being pretty chill about it. Um, but then the car in front of me, now to be fair, I was rubbernecking a little bit, looking at the wreck. I was like kind of in shock and terrified. Um, but the car in front of me does slam on brakes. In fact, they like start halting to a stop, but there's nothing in front of them, and I'm going too fast to like stop before I would hit them. So I slam on my brake. I turn into the median, which was just like a big thing of grass. And then I turn back onto the road. My car does a full 360 spin across the road in front of the car that stopped in front of me. And like, I like back into the ditch on the other side, but like, I was fine. Totally fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Everyone around me, like all the cars around me were just like looking at me. And then Mm -hmm. a cop walked up and was like, what the fuck? Are you okay? And I was like, uh yeah and he goes can you pull out of the ditch and i was like yeah he goes all right go home and i was like cool i appear to be fine yeah (laughs) the the whole like um concept of of defensive driving like you may or may not have learned in driver's ed is is really effective just like Mm -hmm. watch everything that happens on the road like somebody else is going to do something stupid and you'll probably be okay absolutely now granted i drive very fast but i am i am hyper aware of the cars around me i would say most of the time here is my almost every single episode warning of please don't speed to anyone listening drive the speed limit thanks yeah i <laughs> i ag- agree with georgia yes thank you thank I, you dakota. i'm i'm not winking at you uh, dakota is is winking a lot at the moment um but I, listen listen to me the yeah. the very mature person who has uh, bad luck and therefore has still never gotten in a crash which is good to know hey i've never gotten in a crash either i'm just saying sometimes you gotta get places it's whatever yeah. yo georgia what did you learn this week oh the thing i learned this week which you also learned this week okay so my mom loves watching victorian shows like shows oh, about yes. history in like the victorian age and so dakota was visiting for christmas and we um or for new year's i guess yeah and my dad was over at my grandma's house helping remodel my mom was like let's watch an episode of the victorian farm (laughs) which is a show in which these three historians live on a fully functioning victorian farm and do everything like they are in the victorian age like in in the 1890s it's It's, kind of incredible it's it's cool if you like history it's very good if you don't like history that's your own problem um but i personally (laughs) really enjoy it yeah and so you Yeah, if you don't like history, what's wrong with you? Um, I think history is so fun to like, it's fun to research and learn. But my point being, there was a part in the episode where um, one of the ladies was making a poster and they go into the poster shop and he's like, so here's the two cases of letter blocks. And this is the uppercase and the lowercase. And the uppercase has all the big letters and the lowercase has all the small letters. And we're like, oh my God, that's why they're called uppercase and lowercase. I did not know. It was, it was really cool. Like there's a lot of things that we say subconsciously that we do not know the origins of at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, I mean, that's how language is developed as a whole is, is things just happen because of whatever. And you don't really need to know where it comes from. But it is really interesting to to get to back up and learn where things come from, which is why I enjoyed watching that show with my mom so much, because that's like an interest we've always shared is like researching and learning about things that um, you just don't think to wonder about. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And it was cool to learn a very small piece of something that we, you know, just say every day. Yeah, that's that's really cool. What did you learn this week? Um, so it, it's actually pretty interesting. Me and a friend were watching a movie the other night. And one of us made popcorn. And as soon as the microwave started and the popcorn started popping, like our connection to the internet and our show froze and like wouldn't go. And I was like, what the fuck? Do we need to like restart the internet? And my friend was like, no, no, that just happens. And I was like, what? And 
So apparently, uh, whenever you use the microwave, it interferes with your Wi-Fi signal and it will just like stop. It will stop going. And is that normal? No, it is. It's a, we looked it up. Cause here's the thing. We cooked two bags of popcorn so we could test the theory. Cause you know, we're scientists clearly. Yeah. And that's how the scientific method works. Look it up. Francis Bacon approved. Boom. Fra- that means we are Francis Bacon approved scientists. Goddamn. Who needs a college degree? Uh, <laughs> So we cook the second bag and it does it again. It does it again. Oh my so then we look it up on Google to confirm and Google said, yeah, that, that does happen. Uh, so yeah. Wow. That's wild. Do you know how many times I've restarted the internet because someone was popping popcorn? I physically, there's no way for me to know that. Well, cause neither do I. I'm sure it's been like a couple, but like, <laughs> I'm sure I've restarted it like because of the microwave at least once. I've never experienced that at my house, but I'm realizing now that our, our microwave is in the basement and our Wi-Fi is upstairs. They're probably just not close enough yep. together. No, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got to be fairly close, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that that's the big fact I learned this week. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Uh, well, our, our, our dear listeners, um, today we have our first guest who is recording from outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, our guest, Dion Relaford Lee, is recording from Canada, which was really, really fun. We get to have a great conversation. Um, so, yeah, stick with us and we'll jump right into the episode. See you guys soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Today we are here with... Dion Relaford Lee. This is our dear friend, Dion. Well, Cody just met him over I FaceTime. I did, but now but, a dear friend. <laughs> uh, Dion, and I, Dion and I have known each other for several years. We used to be co-workers at Children's Theater of Charlotte and mm-hmm. would have such a blast getting to dance together. Um, so how are you today, Dion? I'm good. I'm good. I am currently... I'm, uh, I've been quarantining in Canada, uh, Vancouver, Canada, since March when Broadway shut down. I was like, goodbye, New York. <laughs> <laughs> Went to Canada. You're officially our first out-of-country guest. Yeah. You're the person that... You know, everyone talks about, they're like, you know what? No, if this person wins or if this happens, I'm moving to Canada. You're the one that just did it. I actually left. <laughs> That's fantastic. I say all that to say that I'm going back to to um, the States on Wednesday. So I'm like rearing up for that and uh, wrapping up all my ends here. So, so yeah. it's been good. It's exciting. How's your experience in Canada been? It's been so interesting. Um, I do. I like Canada a lot. I came here when I was on tour with Beautiful. And I liked it so much that I decided to stay an extra week here while I was on tour because we were here the week before Thanksgiving in the state, which means that we got we had like a layoff week. Mm-hmm. And I decided to stay here instead of going back to the States. And like I made friends and, you know, made a little bit of a life for myself here. And I've been back a couple of times. So I love Canada. It's great. Um, there's a sense of peace here that I get as a person of color in a different region of the continent because I don't want to say that... Uh, Canada is free of issues because there are still like issues of like um, racial injustice and racism and all of those things. But as a black American being in Canada, it feels different. And it's interesting being here and like shedding those limitations I put on myself living in a country where everyone isn't supported. Like people like me aren't supported by the government. You know, yeah. So uh, for that, I love it. Also, it's beautiful. I have mountains in the in the distance, and Vancouver. Vancouver is great because I can see the mountains. There's a beautiful city. The food is great. I can go to the beach, the ocean, and in the forest and see it all from one central like location. It's great. I love it. That sounds this incredible. Is... I I'm sold. Yeah. Like forget this. I'm your, going your to Canada. For Canada has been successful. We will be moving immediately. Indeed. Well, Vancouver specifically. I've I've been to Alberta, which is kind of like the Texas of Canada and I'm like whoa oh, God. it's just a bunch of oil it's flat a lot of farmland people it's it's very conservative <laughs> so oh wow yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like the Midwest slash Texas that's funny to think about like other countries having the Texas of like somewhere oh, yeah. where it's just like they're <laughs> the right wing I, I've never been to Texas but I, I should go it's, it's hot I mean, everything's it's, bigger in Texas it's, it's a lot <laughs> Dallas is pretty fire 
I, re I if you like if you like humidity, Dallas is the way to go. I want my hair to look like a toilet brush every day. I will move to Dallas. <laughs> I love it. My skin soaks it up. It's great. That's a look, though. That's a look. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I handle humidity well. So, Dan, you have your own podcast, Free Black Millennials, that I've been listening to recently, and it is a huge delight. So, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So, uh, well, first, Free Black Millennials is a production company slash movement that has turned into a podcast. Free Black Millennials is a place to celebrate, educate, entertain, and heal specifically people of color. But uh, I, I, I describe it as um, a place for people to come and get what they need in the fight against white supremacy, to dismantle a system that doesn't work for everybody, and build something that works for everyone, right? Um, and the podcast is an extension of the production company and movement that aims to do just that through interpersonal relationships and focusing on teaching through listening to someone else's experience. Mm -hmm. The first few episodes that I've listened to have been so insightful and so wonderful. Um, if, if you, as our, our listeners, are at any time really not sure where to go to learn a little bit more about what's going on with the world and this conversation is uncomfortable for you, I would highly direct you to this podcast. This is it. It's a, it's a great place to sit down and be like, this is not an uncomfortable topic that I'm not ready for yet, but it'll help you get ready for it because we need to be talking about these things. Yeah, and just to like give some background to um, the listeners, uh, in episode one, I break down a conversation I had with someone via Instagram who, when I posted something because I was feeling really raw, specifically after Ahmaud Arbery just because I think um, we share a lot of similarities in our lives. I took that really hard and I posted, you know, I, I, like at this point, I don't want to hear any like, you know, white tears or like white sympathy. I just want white people to do something about the injustices in the world. Like I want, I want white people to care about it as much as I do is what I was trying to communicate. And I had a guy come on my page and comment under that post, um, circular reasoning, basically trying to justify all the reasons why I was wrong to feel the way I was feeling. And at first I, I was like, I got bucked and I wasn't trying to like, you know, be patient and like eloquent in that moment. And then um, I told him to, you know, DM me and he did. And at first he was like, you know, I think I listen to black people. I vote to get to get, you know, uh, people out of the system. And I try to call shit out when I see it. And I'm just like, well, OK, you listen to black people, but you're not listening to me. You're like trying to circular reason your me out of like my truth and like how I'm feeling it, when the evidence is, is presented before you. Right. You you're voting in a system that is corrupt and that isn't working for anybody even like you know the majority and you say you uh try to call people out but you don't have black friends you don't have relationships with black people so what are you fighting for right um and anyway i i in the first episode i break that down it was pretty painful for me and then um in episode two i talked to a, a, a personal trainer that uh, created this brand new like online platform um, and then episode three, I talked to like a blogger. Like, so there's like a mix of a lot of different people. Oh, in episode four and five, which just aired, it's a it's part one and part two of breaking down the ground on which I stand, which I highly encourage everyone to listen to. That's a really, really good series. The Ground on Which I Stand is a piece by August Wilson, a famous playwright, and he talks about a lot of the things that are happening now, but it was written in 1996. And um, yeah, it's just me and my friend, who is a Broadway veteran, breaking down and navigating that piece. It's very good. If you guys haven't read it, I highly recommend. It's good. It's good. It's not a long commitment either. It's very short. I've I loved your, your podcast, especially that first episode where like um, a lot of people my age who are in college right now, like specifically white folks are reaching that point where like, oh my God, we've been told our whole life that you can just vote and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, that's not enough. It's not no, going to be enough. Yeah. And learning how we can take action and actually be a part of change instead of just be bystanders and know that if when I have kids, they will know that I was a part of that change and, and a hope for that change instead of just like, I'm going to sit here and wait for somebody else to do something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is, is my hope. And, and I hope that by listening to your podcast, more and more people can start to realize that that's their responsibility as well. Yeah, we all live here. We're all American, right? Um, and that's the that's the both the, 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 the beauty of America, but also the curse given our past, right? Like, um, uh, I think beyond just voting, a lot of people in your age range are realizing that the system that they were operating in isn't what they thought it was. 
And I say, I talk about this on my podcast. I talk about how, you know, I know what it's like as an oppressee, but as like, I could imagine how difficult it could be for white people and white communities to kind of like, for lack of better words, wake up and realize that their life is kind of like a farce because you don't really know how it works and it doesn't actually work for you and everyone else the same way you probably thought it did. Yeah, I call it the eruption of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's perfect. Oh my God. Yeah, there, yeah. There's so many, like, we, we all think, oh, I've acknowledged my privilege. I like, I've got that figured out. I'm not actively racist. And then you're like, like I, I work um, as a ballet teacher right now mm-hmm. and constantly unfolding like a new layer of the ways that ballet is just racist and the history yeah. is like so frustrating to delve into yeah. and like, as a person who has black students and being like, I have so few people I can point you to to look at as inspiration. Mm-hmm. That frustration like builds and builds and builds and I realize how much privilege I have as a white dancer, as a white performer, mm-hmm. um, as a white college student, as like so many different levels of that. We're always just peeling away a new layer of it and, and hoping to find a way to help and let our kids be in a different situation. Absolutely. We're learning daily with it. Yeah, and that's why like learning, this is yeah. so important. Like what you're doing is like, the work that's changing the world right now. Yeah, listen, I, ca- I call it the cookout. So if you want to come and get a plate, come get a plate. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so we're going to get into the interview now, but at the end we'll drop the, the links. And in the show notes, there's links for uh, the Free Black Millennials podcast mm-hmm. and other materials. So make sure you check those out. Um, and yeah, so let's get right into it. Let's do it. Dion, who are you? Um, okay, so I am a black, cis, queer man. I work in the entertainment business, I guess. I I like to call myself an artist. (laughs) Uh, I'm an actor dancer that can sing, fell into musical theater, uh, moved to New York in 2018, and just trying to like do the professional artist thing, which is really hard right now. And I, like a lot of other uh, colleagues that I have, or cohorts that I have, uh, given COVID, have just tried to create something on my own and figure out what that is like producing and starting new shows and new works and yeah so uh yeah now I'm just a regular dude out here trying to figure it out like everybody else (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) that's beautiful yeah what are a few words you would use to describe yourself apart from what you do wow that's a good question and and because I think a lot of artists specifically like you know people like us attach so much of our identities into what we do and I think uh, in this time of COVID a lot of us are like whoa well I can't work right now so who am I right so that's a very good that's a very good question um who am I outside of work to describe right that's what I'm doing I'm describing myself outside of work sensitive I'm really sensitive uh super caring uh self-assured I am a person that kind of intense in a way that like I'm not shy about how emotional I can be as a man you know yeah um yeah I don't know (laughs) no that's good that's That's great I I do cry a lot yeah (laughs) and like no one I don't know it's so stigmatized it is like I don't understand why I feel like I want to be able to I'm, have emotions. I'm on what? the opposite end of that by Absolutely. being a non-sensitive woman. <laughs> like, I'm pretty much just, like, a little brick. Oh, you get it, too. It's so weird. It's so weird. I think I think now that people, uh, people think times are changing, right? And I think that men are finally allowed to, like, be emotional about stuff. But back when I was in high school, I, when I met people, because I know how much I can be sometimes, <laughs> I, I usually um, say, hey, you know, I'm Dion. I have a lot of feelings. I'm not shy about it. I just want to let you know. You know? That's how, I, that's how I lead into it. I hope all of you at some point in your life will, will feel the energy of someone like Dion walking into a room. Like, when I met Dion, we were at a seven-hour callback um, for, like, a couple of shows. And um, mm-hmm. it was just this, like, like genuinely, like, bubbly, happy person. I was terrified to be there. Um, and he was like, he's like, hey, we're going to dance. It's going to be a great time. It's, we're having a good time. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so scared right now. Yeah. And then we got yeah. to work together. And it's just, like, a, this, like, true joy that some people are so blessed to have. And, like, you're mm-hmm. one of those people with that true joy. Thanks. Wow. Really wonderful to see. Well, uh, moving on a little bit, getting a little less deep with it. Uh, what is your favorite media? My favorite media, like uh, like platform, book, it, movie, music, whatever you've you know consumed. That's media. your favorite. Okay. Well, I being <laughs> sticking with the theme of being a sad boy, right? I <laughs> love all things Frank Ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. 
he like I feel like Blonde. He wrote Blonde specifically for me. <laughs> I like it, he wrote it for me. My favorite media. Wow. Um, I read this book called The Deep by Solomon Rivers. I think it's about it's like this. It's this Afrofuturistic sci-fi kind of book about black mermaids. Oh, that sounds oh. delightful. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's called it's called The Deep. It's really 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 good. The way they break down, it's, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, so that, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, being in Canada, I try to like unplug and go outside and breathe the fresh air before I go back to America and breathe in a bunch of pollution, you know? <laughs> yeah. Big vibes. Absolutely. <laughs> Be Absolutely. outside more. Everyone needs to go outside yeah. a few more times. Hike those mountains I look at in the morning. Yes. yes. I love that. I love a hike. What from your childhood has impacted who you are today? Hmm. I think... I've experienced a lot of loss, ironically, around this time of year. So I think experiencing all the loss that I've had thus far in my life has really like impacted the adult that I have become. I deal with, even though <laughs> I say I deal with, I'm able to identify traumas and like residual, like emotional residue floating around in my body. While I'm not always equipped to handle them, <laughs> therapy, you know, uh, <laughs> we love that. Um, I'm able to like recognize that and I think through my artistry and through just me as a person I'm able to uh, navigate that a bit better I guess yeah I think we all have, have those moments pretty frequently of just like oh man that thing that happened as a kid sure makes yeah. impacts who I am now. you just think about it and you're like oh that was that was trauma oh whoa oops oh. <laughs> okay yeah. that cool. pretty, we're, yeah. we're all learning to, to process and grow yeah. Kind of with the hand we were dealt to be who we're supposed to be and, and to, to find that truth for ourselves. It can, it can be tough sometimes. It's very tough. But like therapy is absolutely like... It's key. It's clutch. Give, like, give it a shot. Even when I talk to my friends about things and I'm mm -hmm. like, ah, Georgia, this is what's bothering me. And Georgia tells me exactly, you know, what I should be hearing and what I need to do. Um, but then I'm like, no, of course, that can't be the answer. And then mm -hmm. like going to a professional, yeah. you hear the same exact thing. And you're like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, that, that works better. Yeah. Good. I'm definitely one of those people that, that, that holds on to stuff and I, I don't share it immediately. And I find that... Um, the longer I hold on to it, the more isolated I feel. And then I'll start to spiral and just go, like, go down this rabbit hole of like, I don't know, um, like I could like break my glasses and then I'll start thinking about, wow, my glasses broke. Oh my gosh, my life is broken. How am I gonna, when am I gonna get more glasses? Like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to go back to the city. Like New York is shut down, what am I gonna do? And But I find that, <laughs> seriously, but I find that when I finally like, get to a place where I feel like I can talk about it, it, f it feels a lot less dramatic. It's, it, I, think, I think a lot of us, I'm a catastrophizer. That's what my therapist calls it. We catastrophize. And I think a lot of us in our age bracket do that just because there's a lot of uncertainty, especially with what we do, right? Um, that you can't help but spiral, so... Everybody in, in our generation grew up with so much like generational trauma. Like there's just been like something terrible that's happened like every year of our lives that it's so easy for us to just be like, oh my God, this is for sure the end of the world. Exactly. Hence, hence why I named my company Free Black Millennials because I find that the boomers like were just, they were doing whatever they could to survive. And like, while I love and respect that, it doesn't work for us. And I think millennials were the first, I don't think that you guys are millennials. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the cusp. I'm like, we're like the little mini generation in between. Right. We're, I was born in 99, but like I'm not a generation. Exactly, I'm exactly. A... Like you, you remember a time before technology, but like not really. Yeah, Just like yeah. the first few formative years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, we're like, we're in that age bracket, because I was born in 93, right? So we're in that age bracket where we're able to identify like what our parents did that doesn't necessarily work for us, like calling it out, actively doing something about it and like trying to move forward. But the, the only difference, the difference between us and Gen Z is the fact that we like, we're, we're still kind of like trying to heal from the trauma of the boomers and Gen Zers are just like, <laughs> I can have whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, the, the drastic difference between the kids I teach and the people I go to school with, even though it's like a four year difference, mm -hmm. yeah. can just like overwhelm me sometimes. It's huge. It's yeah, like that technological revolution changed our lives. Similar, similarly, to, for the history buffs listening, uh, it's similar to the, to the Industrial Revolution that happened back in the 1800s, I think. Don't quote me. Um, when like, you know, coal and natural gases and like steam and like all that shit was happening, things sped up. 
in a very, very short amount of time. So same kind of thing. Yeah, Time's totally. just speeding up. It's just gonna like it's just going. God, <laughs> like we have a new counterculture. Listen, it does not slow down. It feels like it, it honestly. Happen. I mean, like like you said, even a four year difference, and it's like the kids are already on just a whole nother level mm-hmm. with the internet. Like there are people now that have grown up and never known a time without yeah. technology. Some of them are using it for a lot of good. Like I, yeah, I became absolutely. politically aware at sixteen. Like mm-hmm. during the two thousand sixteen election. Kids are so far ahead of the game now, yeah. Um, which I think is great. Like by the time you're actually a voter, you kind of have an understanding of the world you live in. Yeah, absolutely. I had to like teach myself. I had to actively like decide to read a book, you know? Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, every day I'm like, oh man, that was wrong. I have to relearn that all now. <laughs> so 10 years ago, where did you think that you would be today? Wow, 10 years ago. So I put myself on a fast track my whole life, I feel. I grew up in the military and in a pretty transient um, like way. I moved around uh, constantly. And so that being said, my mom, my mom always tried to put me on the fast track to get to where I needed to be just because I was so unstable in how all the different places I, I moved. What I'm saying is that my mom always tried to put me like ahead of the curb. So I went to like an early college uh, and I started when I started in theater and dance, I started I started on a collegiate level. So when I 10 years ago, when I was uh, working on my craft, I thought that I would be like supporting characters in movies. I thought I'd be living by myself in New York. I thought I would be like bi coastal and like doing that thing. Um, doing com- national commercials and like all these things. And while that's not necessarily my entire truth. I'm like on the way, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I thought I would, I just thought I would be further along in my career than I am now. I understand that what you're talking about, like that fast track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've definitely said this on some past like episodes, but like mm-hmm. my whole life, I felt like I was speeding through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Always wanting to get mm-hmm. to the next thing. Well, that's what happens when you know what you want to do when you're so young. Yeah, yeah ex- no, exactly. I exactly. had to literally hit a wall to need to slow down. And I'm so mm-hmm. glad I slowed down. Same. Because, like, there's a lot more life to live than what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But it, I had to hit that wall. And yeah. I'm glad I hit it now and not later. But it, it was hard mm-hmm. to have that realization, for sure. Absolutely. Like, I am so glad that I could wake up at 20 and be like, man, I should, you know, take more time to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. Rather than waking up at, like, 55 and being like, ah, <laughs> man. Oh, boy. Oh, darn. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. Is it? Is it... Was it COVID that did that, that made you slow down? Or was it... Did you have a realization before that? This is my oh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time a guest has asked a follow-up question. Right. No, that's exciting. Um, for me, it was a quick switch on something that would have happened anyway. Um, I had an eating disorder that was like slowly getting out of control, and I was actively in shows back-to-back for two full years where I never had a break. I never had time to stop and go, mm-hmm. am I actually unwell? Um, and I convinced myself that I was fine, um, and I started getting like really like physically ill, more than just like mentally ill. And it was really impacting my life. And right when I figured out that it was the eating disorder, COVID hit and I had no other, I had nothing else to do but to go seek treatment. And I was so fortunate to have like a therapist reach out to me that was like, hey, I lost a bunch of clients due to COVID. Do you want to come in? And I was able to and like actually get my life on track. And in that realization, in that moment of like, the thing that I love is impacting my ability to live and my quality of life. And until I can fix my ability to live in my quality of life, I can't love that thing anymore. So I took the whole summer off of dance and like got myself together. I still love dance more than anything in the world, but I can't sit around and like hope that I will always be healthy for. I need to find things that I could love when my body isn't well. So they kind of work together, but it wasn't just COVID. Yeah. It kind of goes back to the conversation we were having about like realizing that you're more than what you do, right? We get so wrapped up into it, and then that becomes our entire identity. Exactly. I I had to figure out if I was a person outside of my ability, because I I work so hard, so fast. Like you were saying, that fast track mentality of just like, I'm going to get it done, and I'm going to be good at this. Mm -hmm. Because I started theater and dance late as well. I I started dance late. I didn't start. I started theater really early. But um, I was was like, I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to get where I'm going to fight tooth and nail. And I ended up fighting myself as well, and it wasn't wasn't worth that. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of where I ended up. For me, it's been just like a slow burn over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the beginning of 2018, I had some really rough family shit happen. And ever since then, like I'm, 
I'm a four Enneagram. I totally internalize and just get like, I shut off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm a turtle or two. Mm-hmm. So like, <laughs> that's, that's how most of that year went. I just kind of yeah. shut off and wasn't myself. That's when I came to college, met Georgia. She can tell you I was a lot but like he, he was a totally different person yeah we, we, i mean we both were but i was like consciously like i'm gonna be peppy and it lasted for like two weeks um and cody just changed like yeah long term. it was it's been a, it's been a long time in a whole process of like mm-hmm. me having to let go of the beliefs i was you know told when i was a child i, I was raised southern baptist mm-hmm. uh Real so that southern. was yeah it was a lot and so i had to sit there and like completely let go of all of that mm-hmm change who I am as a person, go on like two years long, like a oh, two year long journey of self-discovery yeah. and like just kind of figuring out who I am, what I hold to be true, what my values are. And so it's been all of that. And COVID, all COVID did for me, and I feel really bad because I know it's such a horrible thing to happen like around the world. But for yeah. me, it just made that process easier and it gave me more yeah. time. I had the same experience. Yeah. I was able to like, personal journey with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was able yeah. to like fast track with it. And now I feel like I've gotten finally to like a good place. Yeah. And mm, especially with I see. this. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like COVID did that for me and like slowed me down. But I have been through this before in my life. So I just want to say this as like your, you know, cousin Uncle Dion, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm twenty eight now. Sorry, I'm twenty seven now. And, um, wow, (laughs) right. I'm 20, I'm 27 now. And I've definitely been through something like this before and it's going to constantly happen, um, in different ways. So I would just encourage you as you continue to like grow in college and beyond that you can change. Things aren't going to happen how you want them to. And that's okay. Just because you don't meet a deadline that you set for yourself doesn't mean that like you're a failure, you know? Oh, I mean, man. on that topic yeah. of advice, if if you could go back and give your younger self at any age, like three sentences of advice, what advice would you give? Three sentences? Calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. I worked in the North Carolina circuit just like you. So like I, I boom, 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 boom. Like my resume, beautiful, you know? <laughs> like I, I, I moved to New York. I uh, In a very, very short time, I booked like a little mini show off Broadway, and then I went on a Broadway national tour, and then I got back, and I was like, ooh, okay, what's next? What's going on? Did a national commercial. Like, I'm like doing all of these things, and I just, it was so damaging for me to wrap up so much of my identity in what I did, because when I stopped working, I was like, well, am I worthy of living? Like, who am I now? It was it was that deep, right? So I would, the main piece of advice that I would give myself would just be to calm down. Take your time. New York is going to be there. The business is going to be there. You're going to be fine. And probably to like, to lean into creating something for yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as actors, we think of ourselves as paintbrushes. We don't necessarily think, ourself, think of ourselves as um, uh, the painter. And I think it's a disservice to not only the business, but to ourselves, not only to ourselves, but to the business to um, not be creating our own things, not to be exploring our own creative initiatives that that we want and have um, to pursue somebody else's vision. Exactly. I'm so sorry. This is just something I'm like super passionate about now because like, yeah, I feel that at the beginning of this semester, I was just like. I was excited about being an actor and I was in my first film this semester, uh, which was super Congrats. cool, but I was just like, I don't know. It's something just doesn't mm-hmm. feel like complete with me with that. Cause like I do enjoy acting and I do enjoy being part of that process, mm-hmm. yeah. but also having something that's your own is completely different. Right. Yeah, And that's just where mm-hmm. this came from. I mean, it would be, it happened yeah. because Georgia came to me and was like, hey, you've been talking about wanting to make a podcast for a while, so let's make it. Now you got to do it. Now you got to do it. And I was like, okay, yeah. fine. Uh, yes. Ever since then, it's been something that we've been able to make that we yeah. put our ideas into. It's, it's yeah. ours. We've Getting, created it. Yeah. And That's yeah. like how I fell in love with choreography. Is like mm-hmm. This thing is, is mm-hmm. in my mind, and now it's on somebody who's moving, and nobody else had that in their mind, and that's exactly. really cool. Yeah. Um, in that like vein of, of creating it and being the painter of your own work, what drives your creativity personally? Um, nature, science, and black people. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like I love, I love being outside. I'm a very spiritual person in that way. 
this is kind of a tangent, but I have a segment on my podcast called Welcome Home where I take the time to to educate people about Africa and like how vast it is because I think people don't think of Africa as an entire continent. And I think that when we that when Black Americans think of their history, it's hard to go back that far because we don't know what that is, right? So um, I say all that to say when I am walking barefoot in a river here in Canada, like hiking somewhere, I, f- I get like really overwhelmed and really emotional because there's something about it that feels familiar to me. And I say all that to say th- that nature... I feel, I feel really connected to it and it drives my creativity in a way that I, I need to figure out how my love for nature connects with my Africanness, connects with my blackness, connects with like everything, right? Uh, when I was in college, before I became like a major in classical theater and concert dance, I decided that I, uh, my whole life, all I ever wanted to be was a cryptozoologist. And then I got older and was like, oh, cryptozoology isn't really a career, so I'll just be a zoologist. <laughs> and so I, I got a job in biomedical research my freshman year of college and worked in labs, mixing auger and pipetting stuff, just doing all this scientific things. And I loved it, but I was like, oh, this isn't, I don't know if this is, this is my gig. So I decided to uh, do something else. But science is very much uh, a part of my process as well. Like I love research. I love learning. I love, I love sharing uh, what I've learned with people. So I love that. Those are so, those are amazing reasons. I think that's the thing we don't often uh, know have an answer to. We're just like I'm just creative. Also, just being like sad and emotional. You know, like I have to get it out in some way. Catharsis is so important to your mental health. This is totally unrelated. But I want to show you, I've been, uh, you can totally edit this out, but I started painting a while ago. Yes! Oh my God. So I started, I started painting and I, now I have this whole art wall in my apartment in New York, but like, these are things that I painted while I've been here. Oh, that's beautiful. And like, I've never, I've never like painted before. And this was, this was in me. I had no idea. So like, there's, there's this, this is something that I haven't finished yet. Oh, oh, that's these beautiful. Are beautiful. And like, this is something that I just did the other day. Oh, I love it. Oh, like, the safety pin. Oh my god, god I love that oh, one. That's... Like, these are these just came out of me. That's incredible. Oh, no, these are so beautiful. Yeah. Oh my god. And, and these are all because I have feelings. <laughs> that's that's so cool. I just started like getting into painting. It was uh, because so in October I got really depressed and so i was like fuck it i'll go buy some art supplies and that'll make me happy and like well of course it doesn't just make you happy it it god it's some kind of other like freedom of expression where you're able to just like actually draw it out create it i Mm -hmm. absolutely love it but those are beautiful thank you i think there's something about uh giving yourself grace that we don't do enough and i think when you're painting something you can't judge it every time you put the 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 paintbrush to the canvas you have to kind of like let it evolve and like breathe through it and um it's like it's therapeutic and it's a way to get out like my shit absolutely i i I think that's so important it's it's something that scares me a little bit because i find that i get a lot of inspiration from my sadness well i do want to be happy i do want to be healthy and like joyful i also fear that i'll lose some of that creativity because I'm like, if I am happy, or if I'm like on a better path, like. Oh, I see that Jennifer Lewis. Jennifer Lewis talks about this um, because she used to be like bipolar and she used to have like a lot of issues, and she was afraid to like get help for that because she was like, I'm Jennifer, I'm Jennifer motherfucking Lewis. Like, <laughs> I don't want to lose my edge at thing, but. But she encouraged, uh, I was listening to her say this on a podcast, she was encouraging other people that like, just because you get help, just because you feel good doesn't mean that you're going to lose that edge or that creative voice, you know? I think emotional states can inspire us to to like uh, do certain things or create certain things and there's always emotional recall, right? But you don't have to be sad to create something beautiful. That's like a, a thing I hear a lot of artists that struggle with depression specifically fear seeking help because they're like, I'm gonna lose my creativity. But like, I have clinical depression and a generalized anxiety disorder and a lot of other crap. But the art I've been able to create when I'm happy, even though like there is a sadness that lives in me that will always, it's always gonna be a little bit of a part of my soul, that sadness that is there. The art that I can create when I'm happy and healthy it comes from the same place as that sadness does. It's all you. Yeah, but it's, it's in my soul. It's not just, you know, 
wherever. The thing I wanted to show you was this book called um, Homegoing. It's okay. about two different generations starting in Africa around the 1600s, and it follows their entire generational line, one staying in Africa oh. and one going to America. Um, it's one oh. of the most impactful books I've ever read. Content warning for racism and violence, but it's like exactly the vein of your Welcome Home segment. Um, I'll send you a oh, picture nice. of the title. It's so good. I read it in one sitting, and I did cry loudly in the library. Can you text me um, a picture of it or something? Or the name? We should get back to doing an actual podcast. No, no, but yeah. I will send you a picture. <laughs> you brought this up a little bit, Dion. You brought up your spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and you are spiritual. So could you talk about that for a little bit and just like explain? Yeah. yeah. Are you religious or yeah. spiritual? Or how would you describe what you believe to the mass? Mm-hmm. So it's funny. For the longest time, I was holding on to the title Christian for so long. But I think it was only because um, half my family is Muslim. And um, so I, I have some some um, Islamic principles that I live by just growing up in that atmosphere. And my but my mom was Christian and raised me Christian from um, a young age. I don't I don't like to say that I grew up in the church because I, I don't know, at least for like black people saying that implies a, a different existence, I find. So I, I definitely grew up around the church like i i went to a non-denominational church as well so it's not like i ever felt the plight or the negative energy of the culture of the baptist church i haven't experienced that myself but i still went to like a predominantly black uh non-denominational church and yeah like i i learned there that god isn't necessarily this like big man in the sky Uh, instead that god lives inside of us and and because we are created in his image we are all god so we have to take care of ourselves and like love on ourselves and spend time with ourselves to love and meditate and pray and like spend time with god right yes so um so that's what I believe. <laughs> and there are some uh, Islamic principles that also apply to that as well. But yeah, no, like I, I, I don't like to call myself a Christian now just because of the culture and the institution of the Christian church. I, I, I have some issues with, but I definitely believe in God. Um, I definitely practice my love for God in self-care and meditation and prayer and just making sure my heart is happy you know talking to myself like uh something 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 that i hold on to a lot is i was also i remember hearing growing up in church that i needed to confess things with my tongue that like life and death is in the power of the tongue so if i meant if i say something or if i manifest something it's it's powerful so i want to make sure that it's in imbued with life and not death so that's something that like I, I try to live by. That's awesome. No, I, I think that's incredible because, okay, sorry. I, the reason I was freaking out so much mm-hmm. uh, is because I consider myself at this point a pantheist where it's like, I believe that God, like you said, is in all of us mm-hmm. and like is flowing yeah. through everything. And I think that like every living thing in the universe and everything in the universe just has like a divine energy to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool that you brought that up even. I think I talked about that in like the first episode yeah. where we talked about like Jesus saying that he is the son of God, but we are all children of God. Mm-hmm. I personally think he was trying to say like, we are all like the same. We're all part of this. We're all in this together rather than just saying that like, I am God. I am your God. Like Right. Like we're not Kanye West over here, right. but <laughs> he kind of has a point. Yeah. He kind of has a point. No, exactly. Like we are gods mm-hmm. because yeah. we are we are created in God's image. Therefore, we are God. Exactly. Yeah. The, the way I view it is like it, it's a form of duality where like without the universe, like we wouldn't be here. Yeah. But without us to be here to experience the universe, it would all be for nothing mm-hmm. anyway. So like it just kind of we go hand in hand with it. So yeah, in a way we are God mm-hmm. to the universe. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of like, I, I grew up in the Christian church and I'm still uh, like a practicing Christian, but in a very different way than I learned as a child. And like what you said about like the, like the speaking life and um, mm-hmm. like, like God existing in you. Like when, when I was a kid, I was always taught like your body is a temple as a kind of negative thing. Um, like your body's mm-hmm. temple, so you better not be mean to it, which yeah. was really hard for me as somebody struggling with an eating disorder. And so it was hard to like fit into that. But now when I look at, at tenants, like your body is a temple and you should speak life. It, it speaks into things like, like being kind to yourself as if you are something that, that deserves that amount of love and that right, amount of reverence. Right. 
um, yeah. which is really important. Absolutely. I, 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 one more thing about spirituality that I want to say is that I, um, oh fuck, I lost it. Speak life. We are God. It might come back to me. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> how does your religion and spirituality impact how you interact with the world now? The moment I realized I was a star is the day I realized everybody else was one. And I think that I think that approaching everybody and treating everybody like that, like stars, like gods, then yeah, like it just I, I, I see everybody as um I don't know. How do I explain this? <laughs> I just, I just, I just love everyone. I genuinely do. Um, I, I, I like to live my, and this has gotten me into trouble, you know, but I live by the notion that, you know, I, I trust you until you give me a reason not to, you know? So going into meeting a new person, I always try to like put my uh, best foot forward and come from, from a very open and loving place and then adjust accordingly. Um, so I think my spirituality leads me to interact with others like that. That's yeah. amazing. That's a really powerful viewpoint that I think a lot of us could learn a lot from. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. In that mindset of like how you treat people, if you could change anything in the world right now mm-hmm. without any consequence, what would you change? Just one thing. Just yeah. one. It's, it's a <laughs> tough question. Um, I would I would change cultural imperialism. I I don't think I don't think that in order to survive or or have a world or society that we all want to like live in and can benefit from i don't think we all need to be the same in order for that to happen um one thing that i'm definitely a marcus garvey slash like malcolm xer in the in the way that i think that there needs to be acknowledgement of the separation of our cultures to be able to come together and like live harmoniously that separate but equal idea and further furthermore like what i mean by that is we share a culture, right? So as Christians, as people that grew up in the Christian, right? We celebrate Christmas and like these holidays, right? We, that culturally we share that. That is the ground on which we stand, right? Like that's what we share. But there needs to be acknowledgement that the value system and the way that those values express themselves are different and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to decorate my house differently than yours because I have a different, I have a different value system, that's not to say that you are wrong for that or I am wrong for that. It's just different. So I, I think I would just like change that mindset in people. Like different is okay. Different does not mean wrong, good or bad. And I don't need to subscribe to the white American way to like exist harmoniously in this system. Right. Um, so I guess that's what I would change. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I think yeah. people could definitely stand yeah. to hear that. Yeah. It's worth looking at the world you live in and saying, I, I can't exist in what you exist in and you can't exist in what I exist in, but we can respect each other and be kind to each other in those contexts yeah. and yeah. avoid building more oppression and, and more, I don't know, punching down. And let me say, and let me say, uh, accepting the fact that I am different doesn't mean, oh, I love you. I, you're gay. I love you. I just don't like what you do. Like, no. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. No, 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 no. That's, no. Not, That's not what that is. That's not what that is. That's not an excuse. That's not what I mean. That's not what I'm talking about. Tolerance is not the same as true acceptance. If you tolerate Mm -hmm. who someone is, but you do not love them for who they are, you're just tolerate. I mean, I tolerate the fact that my dog barks at everything. I don't love that about him, but like (laughs) you can love them for everything they are. You can love the people in your life for everything they are without just like being Mm -hmm. like, well, Mm -hmm. still think you're going to hell, but I tolerate it. I need you to see me as a whole human being. Yes. I need you, I need you to see me as a full realized person in order for us to like really like do something. You see what I'm saying? And that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with your your belief, value system, whatever you stand on, like that that's you. Like that's your work. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. We we have to to put people as more than just the identity label that has been placed on them by society. Mm -hmm. Like I am a woman and I am a queer woman, but I am more than that as well. Um, And I transcend those boundaries as well as I think everyone does. Like the the label somebody placed on your forehead when you were 15 is more than you are, you know, you Mm -hmm. can grow beyond that. You have to see people as if they are always more than that because they are. Everyone needs to ask themselves the question, like, who am I? And Mm -hmm. like really get to know everything. It's like, I don't know, everyone's got good and bad and like a light mm-hmm. and a dark side and everything. 
And like, I feel like enough people just can't accept themselves. Yeah. Like, hard. I know my parents, they they use that exact thing where it's like, yeah. you know, I I love you. I don't love everything you do, but and like. No, I need you to love me and you cannot agree with everything that I do. You cannot, you cannot necessarily understand my value system. Right. But we are the same. Like, you need to love me as a person. Also, too, um, I keep losing my points. <laughs> I get so passionate and then I lose it. I, that happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. I get so excited and it just leaves my brain immediately. <laughs> it's just like it's too good um, to find out. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked a lot about like life and how we interact in, in this life and where we are. Oh, did you get your thought back? I remember. I remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I think because I just want to I just want to say this because I think a lot of people like say talk about this a lot. They talk about how we need to like, you know, be okay with ourselves and investigate ourselves, but I think beyond that Americans tend to be very selfish. Yes. And I don't mean that in like I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way. I just mean like it's all about us. Like it starts with us and once we like do the inner workings, we're able to go out and like be the kinds of people or present in, in the kind of way that we want to in the world, right? But I think a lot of us, myself included, need to get out of that mindset a bit and also explore other people, other cultures, other other things, right? Because a lot of prejudice and... Um, the uh, like microaggressions of like within the confines of racism exist because of like ignorance, lack of access, and an unwillingness to learn. Yeah. And th- there is no way that you can overcome that or learn what the other side of that is if you're only watching Fox News, right. if you're only watching CNN, if you if you say that you fight for like black people or people of color and you don't talk to anybody of color like what are you actually fighting for you know you have to learn those perspectives in order to really show up and do the kind of work that you probably want to do because i do feel like most people have the best of intentions they just don't know what to do right and instead of asking me you can literally google like you don't need me to explain to you the 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 bacon rebellion how black and white were termed like the the transatlantic slave trade epigenetic trauma and like racism and prejudice like you don't need me to explain those things to you you can look that up yourself or ask it can be a conversation yeah it's it's such a good time like like i I mean if you're at home and you're not doing much right now like (laughs) grab a book grab grab something that you can research and learn about there are so many elements of history that you were not taught as a kid Mm -hmm. i was homeschooled so like i had of the fortunate because of my parents being like wonderful, wonderful people, I had the ability to yeah. be learning things that my peers were not learning. Yeah. Um, and there was still a massive gap in that. There was still so much that I missed because people don't even know to teach it. Um, if, if you look up, like if you just sit down and look up like all these different elements of, of history and think like, what, maybe this is a space I don't know a lot in. Just Google it. There's some stuff in there. You yeah. should probably learn. Yeah. It's good to yeah. know. Something that I want to like highlight in the in the first episode of Free Black Millennials, the podcast, was when I was when I was expressing the way that I felt. The guy I was talking to, black guy, thought that I was that I was communicating that Black Lives Matter meant that I want white people to fix all my problems, and that's not true. And I and this is what I mean. Like through research, you can see that the NAACP. Uh, and, and a bunch of organizations like that are set up to hold us accountable. But also, when slavery was abolished in the same year, the prison system was created. Yes. Yeah. So, like, can you not see, like, the that that was created to keep people of color enslaved? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and because there's no knowledge about it, because it's not taught in schools, because people don't know, there's nothing that we can do about it because everyone is, like, operating in this, like... St- space of ignorance nobody fucking knows so this book i was talking about homegoing like literally shows how the minute slavery was abolished like the next generation existing um in the in sharecropping and then the next generation existing in the prison system all the way up to like modern day people being completely unable to get out of the world they were born into regardless of their intelligence or their abilities just because of the financial strain that's placed and the Mm -hmm. you know kind of intention to take people away from opportunity um it can be really, really like frustrating to look at that history because you feel so like helpless, and it makes you sad, mm-hmm. and it'll make you grieve. Right. I mean, open yourself up to that to that grief if you haven't researched, if you haven't studied that. 
learn about it and accept that it's going to be sad and it's going to be hard, but we can avoid that happening for the next generation if we work right. together. Yeah. And, 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 and talking to you as a, as a black man talking to like white friends, white allies, white whatever, right? I just want to say that like, if you are that upset about just learning about this stuff that doesn't even necessarily affect you directly, like imagine how that feels for people of color. Like people look at me and cross the street because they think that, you know, I might steal something from them. Like that's damaging, yeah. you know? That hurts just as much as the grief that you learn from knowing information. My uh, my mentor, Avis Hachapuzo, when I was in um, college, taught me something that I live by and I preach religiously, that you don't know what you don't know, but when you know, you can decide. So if you continue to walk around and you just don't know anything, you can't possibly do anything about it. Yes. Until you know, until you know, and make it, a, make it a choice and become an active participant in that choice, what are you going to do? about that educating yourself like on this stuff because we can we can yeah. we have the ability and mm -hmm. we have the the drive i think yeah it's it's time it, i mean it's been time for oh. a while <laughs> but yeah. um, if, it, if it hasn't been time for you yet it's time now yeah um well switching gears from this very impassioned conversation that has brought me significant joy um <laughs> to, to you what is the meaning of life wow a big, a big boy big question boy. not playing today <laughs> the meaning of life God, I don't know. I guess acknowledging that we don't actually know anything <laughs> is that the meaning of life, though. <laughs> I mean, as much as we, as much as we learn, and as much as like you, we just had this very impassioned um, talk about education. As much as we discover, we still know nothing. There's like so much, so much we don't know, and I think there's like, I think if we accept that, there's like peace in that. Um, I don't know. Is that the meaning of life, though? I don't know. <laughs> like always learning. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Come on and live, laugh, love. <laughs> That's the meaning of life. That's it, right <laughs> there. I love, love that. I think. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. Just like <laughs> realizing that there's so much you don't know, but also just like enjoying it anyway. Yeah. Just sitting there in the in the we'll never know, but being okay with that. But then, like, I, but even though I just said that, I'm also thinking, damn, like, I just told all these people to, like, learn. And then I'm like, well, if you don't know, it's okay. But it's not okay because people aren't okay. Right. So I don't know. So it's constantly growing. Yeah. I, I would yeah. say, like, those two ideas can kind of compile into the pursuit of knowledge and the pursuit mm -hmm. of learning. Yeah. It's yeah. a, a huge, like, every week in our intro, we say, we say what did you learn this week? Yeah. Because that, like, pursuit of learning, it kind of keeps us alive it keeps us like feeling mm -hmm. i like that what did you this week? yeah oh i i love that idea of like so life isn't about the destination it's not about just being happy all the time because then it's that's just hedonism and eventually the happiness runs out yeah but rather mm. that like you get the most joy from life when you're pursuing that goal when you have something set and you're like on the journey there mm -hmm. that's what it's about mm. existing and enjoying but life. but but can life have value if you aren't working towards something? Can it yes. still have yes, value? Yes, absolutely. I, I, it's I very that, subjective. Yeah. For, for me, I've been a perfectionist my whole life. And my goal, my only New Year's resolution is letting go of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Just like slowly letting it roll out of my life and not come back. Because um, I, I think that there's something wonderful about, about striving for like, oh, this is the best that it can be. But you can never know if something is the best mm -hmm. that it can be. So instead, it's like, has this brought me joy? Okay, I can let it go now. Um, and like we're constantly building new things about an end goal or in time like the life that I lead is is like a little you know up and down all the time and I never yeah. know quite where I'm going but I'm moving yeah. and I'm existing you know what I'm learning I'm learning and I feel like free black millennials is definitely becoming um, a, more of a platform to navigate like the line right like we want to live in this like beautiful world where everybody is the same but we also need to like have our cultural identities preserved, right? We need to like be appreciated, right? But where's that line? Like where where do you like step over? And I think and I think that maybe that's the meaning of life, just acknowledging that everything is gray area. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't there's know. no there's no definite answer. Um you it's, can you can tell when you're wrong, but there's yeah. no definite answer. It's finding that growing. balance of all of it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Balancing a whole lot of stuff all Balancing the time. Balancing everything. <laughs> hey, listen. 
we we just out i i say i say this all the time uh this is another thing i have a lot of mantras i say you know i ain't shit i'm just out here trying to do good work yes. know? like yes. i am i am i think i i do believe that i am this shit like yeah. you know i I'm created in god's image like i am a i am a being that feels like i'm operating in my fullness and doing god's work right but um, in the grand scheme of everything, our universe is so expansive. I'm just like a very small clock, cog, very important, but a very small cog in the big machine. So, you know, I ain't shit. We just out here trying to do good work. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, that's something to fucking yeah. live by. Yeah. I love it. So, like, in yeah. that idea of, of mantras and, like, you've given yourself advice, you've yeah. given us advice, you've said some of the advice you've gotten. Um, but our, our last question of the day is, what is the best advice that you've ever received? I really think it's like what I shared before. Like, you don't know what you don't know, but when you know, you can decide. It's very freeing because you don't know what you don't know. So you can't blame yourself for not knowing, you know? You can't you can't hold yourself responsible for things that you're n- not knowledgeable about. It's like freeing. Um, because I find that sometimes when I achieve something and I finally learn what something is and I, I am an active participant in the choice, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, but... Uh, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have made the same decision. But you didn't know. So absolve yourself of, the, of those feelings. Um, and I need to remind myself of that when I am spiraling. But, <laughs> you know. Letting go, letting go of the guilt of ignorance. I mean, we're yeah. always striving to learn more, but there are times when we really don't know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. That is that is the best thing I've ever like heard. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> incredible. Like, even, even now, to me, I'm just like... Yeah. yeah. This has been a truly amazing conversation. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing yeah. your your joy and your passions. Yeah. And I think this is the most like loud and excited we've gotten mm-hmm. in an episode so far. This is, this is yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got you know two podcasts collaborating. Like I love it. I, I love it. It's cool. It's, yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah. Thank um, you for everything. So, so um, just just reminded all of our listeners uh, mm-hmm. how they can find your podcast and your other work. Yeah, so um, you can follow Free Black Millennials at Free Black Millennials. Uh, fr- sorry, you can follow Free Black Millennials, the podcast, at Free Black Millennials on Instagram. On Facebook, you can follow my fan page, Dion Relaford Lee, and I have everything that I post on Instagram linked to that, just in case you don't have it. I don't have a website yet that's in the works, but um, that is coming soon. Also, Free Black Millennials is a also a production company, and we are um, actually tomorrow. I'm doing some reshoots for a series, a web series that um, I started with six of my friends, just about like being separated during COVID and like navigating everything that happened pretty much over the summer. Yeah. Um, called What Y'all Doing? So you guys can follow us on Instagram at What Y'all Doing Web Series, and we just launched a GoFundMe, so you can, uh, if you want to support, you can. Um, uh, go to gofundme.com forward slash what y'all do in I in web series. And yeah, if you want to follow my personal page, it's tacos, the letter in tattoos, tacos in tattoos. I love it. That's so good. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for yeah, everything. Thank you. Um, thank you guys for listening. And uh, remember, everyone is a star and so are you. Yeah. And I uh, guess we'll see you next week. So remember to uh, drink some coffee or something. Bye, guys. Peace. <laughs>